Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Out of structure. Let's do it. Do we have time to run walls? If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Chiefs' kingdom, welcome into another edition of the AP Out of Structure podcast. We've got a great edition of the show this week. A little bit of a mix-up. We're called the Out of Structure Podcast for a reason, right? You know, we can do whatever we want on here. We can switch out guests. Uh, my name is Ron Cobb Jr. I'm the lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. And usually I'm joined by uh, Matt Stagner, who would be bringing you into the show. But instead, he's, you know, he's doing some grown-up things. But instead, we got the dad bod pod back in. I'm bringing it to the people. I made it happen. I brought this together. I get the credit for bringing the dad bod pod back to the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. If you are loyal listeners, you know that means Christian Gumminger and Rocky Magana are joining me. Um, great writers at the site. Rocky, I'll start with you. What's up, my friend? Tell the people how you're doing. Uh, dad bod pod is back. I'm just happy to be here. Me and my dad bod have... Uh... You know, been aching and counting down the days for uh, training camp to get back going. And oh my gosh, I'm, I just feel blessed to be here right now, Ron. You know, just to be on here with, with my fellow dad bod Christian and then our future husband to be and maybe someday fellow dad bod Ron. And so this is, it's just a beautiful day, man. Christian, are you feeling similar, similar blessings? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have me and Rocky back, so of course we're going to carry the show tonight. Um, oh wow! Ron's coming at the host, us. coming at the host. The the, the Ron's going to help direct us. Me and Rocky come with the hot takes. This is why they can't let us on here every week. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to have fun tonight. No, that that is Christian is right. Pe- peeking behind the curtain, the only reason you don't hear these voices every week is because your phones would actually engulf in flames um, from all the hot takes if they were on your. If they're on your network every single week. So, uh, well, great. Well, I'm excited for today's show. It's preseason week, fellas. We got a preseason game this Saturday. I know it's not as exciting as week one, but we got live action football to get to. And that means we got takes to, to have about this live action football. And I'm excited, man. You know, we've been, I've been up at camp a couple of times, you know, Pete's been up doing, you know, doing great work. Pete Sweeney, make sure you're checking out his daily, uh, threads on Twitter. You know, we're getting some sort of, of look at the at the uh, you know this year's team, right? We're getting some sort of idea of what this year's team is going to look like, but we don't really know exactly how certain players are going to look until we see them. You know, even though it's preseason, we you know it's still live action, it's still a, a game situation, and that's why we're going to preview real quick. Just looking at a few players, we, we're looking to to see in live action where we can kind of get a better feel for who they are as players. Uh, you know, Rocky, I'm gonna start with you. I, w- I want you to go first on this one. Just let us know who in the preseason game you're kind of looking forward to uh, watching the most. Well, Ron, I got my eyes set squarely on MVS, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, I think that he's the guy where there's still some questions about who he is and what he is. Is he the same guy that he's been in Green Bay? Or has he taken a step forward, and is he, is he better? If he's the same guy that he has been in Green Bay, then the Chiefs' offense is in really good shape, you know, because he's a, he's a tall, fast, over-the-top, deep-threat guy who can really stretch the field and take the top off. But if he's taking a step forward and he's even better now, then watch out, NFL, right? You know, because then you have, you know, you have, you know, Juju Sky, and then MVS is, is more as MVS plus now, right, you know? Um then I, I mean, I think that keep your eyes peeled because he's had an up and down training camp so far. So, right. 
you know, it depends upon how many snaps he gets. He may not play very much, but in the snaps he gets, if he gets targets, if he can bring in those targets and show that he has a more refined root tree this year, like he has kind of shown a little bit in training camp so far. And then I think that really, you know, he's kind of like the linchpin of do we have good wide receivers or do we have special wide receivers? You know what I mean? So I like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I know what you're saying on that, because, yeah, he, he is that kind of player that he's kind of telling every he's telling us himself that he's kind of maybe been limited in Green Bay and that he's ready for a more expansive role. You're right. He's had some drops in training camp. I noticed it. Um, and so you're hoping that, you know, you can kind of see some good you know hands um, from him in that game. You know, we'll see how much we see of him. Um, you know, hopefully not too much. Maybe the 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 offense, you know, drives down first first drive and scores, and usually Andy pulls him after that. But we'll see. We'll see about that. Christian, you got a, a certain player you're watching for? Yeah, let me ask just a quick question. Who is the backup, Mike? <laughs> it does seem like from camp, it does seem like it's Darius Harris, the, the kind of the long time uh back yeah, or long time chief. Harris, for... Who's been here since twenty nineteen. Yeah. who was behind Ben Neiman as the backup backup Mike. And I, it makes sense that he's the backup Mike during training camp, helping everybody get aligned in Spags' defense. Totally makes sense. But this is a guy who hasn't beat out Dorian Daniel, did not beat out Ben Neiman, did not, <laughs> you know. So I want to see Darius Harris and see if he has brought anything. And with that, as Mike Rose or Jack Cochran, some of those UDFAs we brought in, do they take you know a step forward to kind of get themselves on the roster? Um, that second wave of linebackers haven't heard a lot about, and I would yes. like to see something from them this weekend. Yeah, that I was going about to say that you really don't hear about the linebacker group in general. I feel like as much from camp. Um, you just I think hear it's... about Willie Gay picking everybody off. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I think it's just kind of natural for the position too, right? Like you're watching receivers, you're watching, you know, the the line, the running backs, the pass rush. It is easy if you're not Willie Gay picking passes off like you like you mentioned. Um, it's easy to kind of just even if you're making maybe solid plays, reading the defense well, you're not a fan's not seeing that, right? Or even the media sometimes it's hard to see for them as well. Um, so yeah, I like I like looking at the linebackers. Mike Rose is a guy that I previewed for the site. Um, he's definitely kind of an interesting guy, right? He was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year a couple of years ago for Iowa State. Coverage guy, even though he's like 6'4 with these long arms, he doesn't look like he'd be a, a good guy uh, to play coverage. But he, he had like six picks, I think, that year he won Defensive Player of the Year. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So um, mine, though, I'm going to stick to receiver with Rocky. He mentions MVS, which, I, you know, I, I, I get. But one guy that might play a little more is Justin Watson. Um, he's the new addition this offseason. Played in Tampa for a little bit, but he's kind of been the a, a little bit of a already kind of almost considered a lock for the roster by a lot of the media members. It seems like uh, kind of seems like the wide receiver five right now. Um, he plays a lot with the first team, from what I noticed at camp. You know, a lot of that Z receiver stuff, the motion stuff. He seems to be kind of have that you know impressive ability of uh, size and speed. Um, you know, he's like six two, six three, like pretty decently sized, so he can block. Um, he's a good special teams player, so. I just want to see, you know, if he if he can kind of show it as a receiver at all. I mean, does that, you know, is is do we feel even better about the receiving core, right? Like, is the depth all of a sudden like, oh wow, we can consider Watson kind of a reliable, you know, like just how we kind of thought of Pringle at the beginning of his career, right? You know, where we kind of, you know, no one thought of Pringle as too much more than just like a all right, like he's a kind of a a solid dude that seems to you know be good on special teams. He can probably catch a a, a pass or two and feel good about it. You know, I, I think that's, you know, maybe you can feel like that about Watson and then you feel good about your five receiver depth. So I, I do think there is something there, Rocky. You got anything? Well, well, Ron, I mean, you better get ready then because, you know, there's already enough hype around Justin Watson with, you know, Patrick Mahomes personally calling right. up Andy Reid and asking, you know, how fast is this guy when he was throwing <laughs> to him over the summer? And, I mean, you know how Chase Kingdom is. If this guy pulls in even three receptions for 25 yards – he's going to be the, the new hot thing. And so you last season we had Therese Fountain, and we were calling him Defo. Defo. Oh, man, we love Defo all, all preseason. What's Justin Watson's nickname going to be? We got to get like – we get, we got to get a banger on tap that way when, it, when, he, when he shows out that we're ready to, you know, just come in and throw it in the articles. J-Watt? J-Dub? I like J-Dub. J-Dub's cool. 
Joshua Williams might be a J Dub, right? Yeah. Mm. Jalen Watson on the back. And then there's him too. <laughs> there's a bunch of J Dubs that could be. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I like J- the workshop J- that. J Watt, maybe. Yeah. I, th- I like J Watt. I think J Watt might be cool. J Watt's cool. It sounds like JJ Watt, so maybe not. Oh, yeah. Dang. Well, what about like you go like you can go like something like, like super old school and be like call him like Dr. Watson. Ooh. You know, because he's always there, you know, there got your back. Like Dr. Watson at Sherlock Holmes's. He went to Penn, Penn University. Uh, he's smart. Smart. See? He went to an Ivy League school. Mm. I know. We'll, we'll we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Um, well, you know, speaking of, you know, maybe, you know, overreacting to a receiver, maybe having a good day. I want to go ahead and predict the, the storylines that, you know, the next day as us writers are maybe writing up some articles about what that happened in the preseason game. What are we going to be overreacting to? Christian, I want you to lead this one off because I think you are, I, I feel the one you're going to go with on this one. Oh yeah. It's, it's going to be Leo Chanel. It's yes. going to be absolutely one hit. It's not, he's not going to be the, it's not going to be the entire game that he played all, you know, 30 snaps or whatever he ends up playing. It's not going to be the full package of what he brought to the game. It's going to be a singular play where he hits a running back or he blitzes on her back and blows it up, does a celebration or whatever, and gets everyone hyped up. That is what everyone is going to be talking about. It's what I'll be writing about for sure. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Yeah. And I think you're right. And he's been working mainly as the Sam, even in the second team, hasn't really gotten a ton of run as any of the, at the end, any of the other spots you could see him maybe like just getting some run at like third team Mike in, in the preseason game. I could see that right. Where, you know, he hasn't really gotten that in pre in the training camp yet, but um, he played that in college. He can play it. And so I think he will have some chance. He's going to truck some UDFA running back on his way to blitzing the quarterback. (laughs) <laughs> and it's going to blow up every – that one clip is going to be all over Twitter for the next week. Chiefs tweet, eyeball emoji, eyeball emoji, uh, flex, flex arm, flex arm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's probably happening. Death row. Death row. And, I mean, and then Pacheco is going to be sitting on the sideline <laughs> looking at that undrafted running back that just got blown up saying, I feel you, bro, because yep. anybody who is a loyal AP reader – if you ever read my Pacheco film breakdown, I did the very first play when Rutgers played Wisconsin. Leo Chanel literally picked up Isaiah Pacheco <laughs> and threw him. I mean, it's literally like, I mean, threw him like he was just like a bag of sand or something just across the field. Like it was the most humiliating thing I've ever seen. You're right. It was like the first play. You're right. It was the first play. I remember looking when I was looking at the Leo tape. Uh, that's funny. Um, okay, well, speaking of undrafted running backs uh, that Leo Chanel, uh may run over, Rocky, who is your uh, overreaction for the site the next day? I mean, I, I really just – even if not for this week, next week, and as the train, as preseason continues, I don't see any way that people aren't just hopping on this Jerion Ely hype train because he's so far down the roster that he's going to get so many snaps and he's going to be in the kick return game. He's going to be a running back. He's going to be a wide receiver. He's going to catch a wheel route. He's going to get, have a jet sweep go his way. He's going to catch a couple slants. He's going to break off a punt return for 50 yards. It gets called back for holding and everybody's going to say, Oh man, if that just hadn't got called back for holding, we may have found our kick returner, you know, Oh, Ely, this Ely, that he can do everything. And so I just I don't see any way that people don't just like completely lose their mind for Jerry on Ely, only to have him either not make the team or you know get five touches during the regular season. Yeah, no, I I, I like that one because it does seem like it's almost like uh it's like there's gasoline on that on that Jerry Neely take, right? But like someone's they're just waiting for the match, right? They're just waiting for that one big play in a preseason game for the whole thing to explode. And everyone to be like, Ely should, you know, make it over, you know, Jarek McKinnon or, uh, you know, or he should be the sixth receiver or, you know. It's going to be a spin move. <laughs> yeah. They're going to say. spin move in the flat. Yeah, one spin move in the flat and they're going to say, oh, Dexter McCluster 2.0. Yes. Yeah. Ole Miss and everything, right? Yeah, um, Ole Miss and everything. Yeah, I know it's a good one, too, because I've noticed in camp he definitely is splitting. Like, he's not like he's you know receiver in some drills and then he's a running back in other drills like he is a true split 
right now, receiver and running back. So yeah, there could be the argument to make like, Hey, maybe with your six receiver spot, if you don't, if none of the options really truly stand out, yeah, maybe Ely, if he can contribute on special teams, you know, maybe that case will be made. So I love it. My mind is definitely more, uh, you know, a general, um, I think we're going to see like one, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's Carl office. Maybe it's even like a, a Turk warden or Mike Dana. Even I could see maybe, um, like making just a really nice move, like a depth piece, making a really nice pass rush move and everyone being like, Oh yeah. Pass rush is deeper this year. We got so many different options. Pass rush is back, baby. Frank Clark skinny. We're back. We're all the way back. Uh, I, and I, and obviously I don't, you know, I still wouldn't be that confident with that being the case, uh, just off a, a against the bears too, is the other point of this. The bears are one of the worst teams in the NFL. <laughs> so really anything you take away from this game, because their starters are just as bad as their third stringers. Um, so all that to say, I think the pass rush, I think we'll see like maybe one, maybe even Frank Clark, right? Maybe even Frank Clark just flies off the line of scrimmage against the bears left tackle that probably shouldn't be in the league. And then we're, you know, we're, we're all overreacting to that. So I think that could be the case. Any takes on that? I mean, I think, I think that definitely very well could be the case. I think that uh, you mentioned Mike Dana. I think that, he is the guy who actually might turn some heads and might actually surprise some people. Everybody's making a big deal about Frank Clark um, working with George Carlottis after every single practice. But if you, if you've watched the franchise or seen any of the videos, Mike Dan is always there hanging out right next to him, yeah. you know, um, trying to, trying to learn right alongside of him. Um, he looks faster this year. He looks, he looks more, more violent with his hands. Um, obviously he's hitting dummies you know, in a lot of the videos and stuff that we have and footage that we have access to, but he definitely looks like he's, he's grown into his body and he looks more like a, like a full grown man out there on the football field. Yeah. We'll talk about it a little later, but I, I think they are going to use him in some, some uh, unique pass rushing ways. Um, but to wrap up kind of the preseason talk, I do think it's kind of, you know, it's interesting, Christian, I'm going to let you, uh, you know, maybe uh, give your number on this because you were kind of, you kind of who brought it up a little bit, but how many players we consider right now locks for the team, right? Because we're heading into the first preseason game. We've, we've gotten, you know, almost two weeks of training camp under our belt. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of all digested what, you know, the takes are, you know, where people are playing, all that. Christian, do you have a number on how many players out of the 53 that the Chiefs can, uh, can have on the active roster? Do you have a number of how many locks you have currently? So kind of just looking back at what we've done, uh, what Veach has done since 2019, when he kind of retooled the entire defense. Um, kind of looking back at that and kind of making some assumptions based on Pete's notes, uh, which you guys need to be listening to every single day, those training camp notes. Yeah. Uh, whether on Twitter, um, following Pete, or um, here on the podcast feed with him and uh, Summer Serta. Um, those are absolute gold. Um, yes, yes, but yes, yes. looking at the listening to that, um, I think there's about 43 to 44 locks right now. Okay. There's 10 spots really that are open. Um, that and you can give or take here or there, but I think based on the, the observations of the people who've been there every day and kind of in the know, I think it's about 43 players are locked on the roster. Okay. Is there a certain position that you kind of have the most questions about whether you, you know, in terms of like, you know, you only have a few locks at the position, you know, I think there's a a few certain ways you can go with it, Christian. Do you have a position you want to talk about? So I'm going to take the DBs as a whole. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Corners and safeties. Uh, We usually, or Veach usually keeps 10. uh, And historically it's been five safeties and five corners. And just in the, you know, our discourse about the Chiefs roster, it's okay, who's the sixth corner? It's like, right, there may not be a sixth corner, <laughs> you know, there may be a fifth safety. Last year it was Chris Lamont's who was the fifth safety as a special teams ace that came up. So, which is important, is, which real quick is important to note because there's a lot of special teams turnover. Um, and and Lamb and he's, he's been working at like, corner this training camp, which you know is, is, but I think either way, no matter what position he's playing. I think he, he, he should be considered highly here, but obviously not a lot. Yeah, if you look at the snap counts for the special teams, I did this today as well. Of the 12, uh, the 12 players who got the most special team snaps outside of the specialists, eight of them did not return. 
So we have yes, four sir. returning off of the top 12 that are non-specialists. So there are a ton of special team snaps. And right now, if you look at the DBs, I think there's about seven that are pretty much locks to make this team. And the other three spots are between 10 players. Who are the strongest candidates for those three spots, though? And, and uh, yeah. So, I, so for locks, I have Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, and Rashad Fenton. And then in the safeties, Justin Reed, Juan Thornhill, and Brian Cook. So that leaves Deion Bush. That leaves Nazi Johnson. That leaves Lonnie Johnson and Jalen Watson. But if you've been paying attention to training camp, DiCaprio Boodle has been the backup nickel mm-hmm. and has been playing really good and knows that role. And so do they keep him? Who also He also played special teams with snaps last year as well. So do you look at a Zane Anderson who played special teams snaps last year and was called up to the 53? So there's a lot of players there that could that are in play for those last three spots. Well, and I, I do want to note too, someone that's emerged lately that I noted from Saturday's visit to camp is that uh, it seems like Lonnie Johnson has definitely risen from the third team to the second team. Um, I noticed Nazi Johnson was the one getting those second team reps earlier in camp, um, but Lonnie seemed to have overtaken him and played opposite Jalen Watson when I was there Saturday on the second team cornerback position. So, yeah, you're right. It's kind of a toss up. Um, is there any favorites of yours, Rocky? Uh, chime in too if you have any kind of any of those young cornerbacks you really would prefer to. See. Would you rather him go with the young cornerbacks over, like keeping a Lonnie Johnson or even a Chris Le- like Lamont's? Like, what do we think about kind of? maybe even sacrificing some of that special teams veteran ability for some of the young cornerbacks. I mean, any of the young cornerbacks that they bring in or anybody who's going to be on the back of this roster, they have to play special teams. There's just, they don't have a choice at this point. There was so much turnover that you have to have, these guys have to be willing to play special teams. Um, I think it is interesting though, that, you know, throughout Steve Spagnuolo's tenure with the Chiefs, uh, when he goes to a nickel look more times than not, he he brings in a third safety a lot of times instead of a instead of a third cornerback. Um, how many times did we see Tyron Matthew, Dane Sorensen, and Juan Thornhill all three on the field last year? So essentially, you're you're switching out Justin Reed and Brian Cook for for Honey Badger and Dirty Dan. Um, and so I think that you know Brian Cook's going to be playing a lot of snaps uh, in kind of I think they're going to use him in kind of that Dirty Dan role. Um, I think Jalen Watson is going to surprise some people. Um, I think that, I think that, I mean, he's still raw, but I'm not saying he's going to start or anything like that, but I think that he's definitely going to make this team. I think that they, they saw enough in him and they liked enough of what he showed, you know, especially he's athletic enough and he's, he's a, he's a top end, he's a top end athlete. Um, I think that Veach wants to, is going to bet on that and just trust Spags to coach him up. Yeah, no. Okay, so I do think the DB position is probably where there's the most kind of like up in the airness, right? Just because there's a lot of numbers there too. But because you're right, we kind of all assume six corners. But man, you know, just because they have a lot of names doesn't mean they're going to keep a lot of names, right? They may just be, you know, having a lot of competition for those final spots. So yeah. as we kind of get into the into this uh, the pod more, we'll definitely talk about more of the positions because I think these next couple segments will kind of preview some of the other positions we could talk about that are kind of on the bubble here. And so we're going to go into some superlatives here, fellas, kind of a way to, you know, preview what's going on this year, um, whether it's right now or, or kind of future projection. And right now I want to hear from, uh, I want to hear from you guys, Christian, I'll start with you. If you have one, let me know. Cause I definitely have a good one. I want to start off with here. If I can go most, li- most likely to live up to the training camp hype. I'm going to go for it, man. I think it's sky more. I, I do. Whoa. I think, I do think, um, and you know, and, and when I say training camp hype, maybe I should clarify, like, I don't think he's going to like, maybe if some people think he's going to be the best receiver on the team, you know, not that, not that hype. He's not living up to that hype maybe. Um, but I do think he is good enough to earn a role in the offense and maybe even push some, some other players from having as big a role as they maybe thought previously. Right. I think, you know, we've seen him lately getting these handoffs from the backfield, you know, running these counter plays too. Um, I kind of mentioned, you know, on Twitter at the beginning of camp that, could he be used in a uh, halfback hybrid role? Kind of like we've seen, you know, guys like Debo Samuel most famously. But 
I mean, even in, 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 you know, with the chiefs, I mean, Tyreek Hill's been using that role earlier in his career. So I, I think in terms of earning a position on the offense and being an impact player and being a guy that, you know, we're all going to at the end of the year, be like, man, they, the offense, you know, really needed him to be a, a weapon and like really, you know, I think Sky Moore is going to be a, a very impactful player for the offense this year. I think he does live up to that kind of hype. Any thoughts? No, that's if if Sky Moore comes out in year one and puts up the numbers that he's thinking about putting up and it makes the impact that is kind of playing all over the field, giving Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes just another option to just another kind of, you know, quiver or arrow in the quiver, you know, like right. it's that team is going to explode because right now he's wide receiver four. And if you're wide receiver four, he's wide receiver four. <laughs> we'll get to it later, Rocky. <laughs> here's the thing is, here's the thing is, is that right now he is wide receiver four. Does he end up being wide receiver four? I'm not so sure. And that's the thing is now he, he's, he's a little undersized to be in that Debo Samuel role. Doesn't mean the Chiefs aren't going to try to utilize him in that because he's still bigger than Jerry O'Neill, you know, for instance. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing that that's kind of you got to think about also, though. What rookie wide receiver has found success in, in Andy Reid's offense? I went back and looked at it a few different times. And the two wide receivers in, in the history of Andy Reid being a head coach in the NFL in their rookie seasons that actually had, we'll say, success as over 700 yards receiving on the season. There's been two of them, Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin. Now, both of those guys were that dude when they came out of college. Sky Moore could be that dude, but if you think back, when was the last time the Chiefs have had a rookie wide receiver that that showed out? I mean, Dwayne Bowe? You got to go back to Dwayne Bowe probably, right? Well, hey, here's the thing. I mean, you, McColl hasn't really – McColl wasn't, you know, a great receiver at the start of it at all. He still isn't, obviously. But he his yards per target his rookie season was, like, historically good. Um, and, and I think that shows you that there is something, too, I think, you know, maybe as a compliment, maybe as, some you know, a weapon that the, the NFL hasn't seen yet when they have to focus on Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, other weapons around him like that happened in McColl's first season. You know, maybe there's opportunity for him to kind of explode in that limited role where, yeah, he's maybe not getting any sort of, you know, uh, crazy volume or anything. But again, McColl's yards per target was like it was up there with like the most anyone's ever done in a season um, in recent history. And so, like, I think, you know, I'm not obviously McColl's a little more big play aspect maybe than Sky Moore is, but he's, he's how how dare you compare Sky Moore oh to Michael Hardman. Right, Sky Moore is three Michael Hardmans at least. All right. Tyree Kill's rookie season, 860 scrimmage yards. There we go. There, there we go. go. Okay. And that, that has no effect on the what he the impact he made on special teams. But he had 860 yeah. scrimmage yards his rookie season with one start. Which Sky Moore could be the punt returner. Um, it seems like he may be the punt returner. So well, hey, maybe we transition right into most likely to lead the receiver room in total yards after that discussion because it is a heated debate here in the AP um, chat rooms. Um, Rocky, who I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you here. Most likely to lead the receiver room in total yards. Who is it? It's Juju. It's definitely Juju. There is not another answer other than Juju. If Juju stays healthy, he's gonna go for 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, him and Mahomes have. Are already have a copacetic link up where they're mind melded, and he's he's making the contested catches. Mahomes trusts him. He's going his way consistently. He's got the size. He's done it before in this league when he when he was healthy and when he had a, a, a top tier quarterback. I mean, there's there's no there's no reason to think that if Juju plays all season that he's not going to show out and lead this team, lead the wide receiver room in yards. Christian, it's McColl. Ah, it's not close. Oh wow. Okay, you can't. Can it's you say that? Close. Can you say okay. that? So it's going to be McColl because all of the routes we've seen everybody run at training camp have been pretty much the same route tree. The only one who's doing anything different is McColl with that whip route. It's the only one that's a complex route that's reading the defense. He's he he runs the whip route, and that's what he runs. What else? Does he run? He doesn't run Everything a complete else, route tree. That's why his target share has always been so low 
because he can't run a complete root tree. He skips steps into out of every single one of his breaks. The man cannot run roots. I'm sorry. I, 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 he's very fast and I like his personality and he, he is what he is. He's a, he's a James jet. He's a quadri Ishmael. He's a, he's a Raghib Ishmael. He's a, talking he's a John enough. Ross. He's a Kadarius Tony, maybe not even a Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony's better than Nicole Hardman. I mean, Nicole Hardman is a is a fast guy who is a weapon, but he's not a complete player, and there's no way that he wow. ever leads your wide receiver room. So we're talking total yards. So I'm, I'm getting those rushing yards. yards as well, and all of those jet sweeps, all of those, you know, quick motions, all of those little bits. It's gonna, he's going to be the most productive receiver in this room. And so, then why wasn't he the most productive receiver besides Tyreek Hill last year? He he should have been the wide receiver too last year, and he wasn't. Are we sure he wasn't? Who was who led the who was second? Team. Who was second in receive? I mean, I might have been. I'm sure it was McColl. Honestly, it was okay. McCall. So if it was McColl, he wasn't a wide receiver too. I mean, 590 yards or 560 yards is not wide receiver two. Totally, that's total? your wide receiver two. What's the total, His total yards? Like? 591. Wow. <laughs> he's, he's 739. He's, oh, 739. Sorry. 2020 was 591. He's never topped 750 yards from scrimmage in his entire career. Well, the, the, the argument is that Fermicole is that he is the, uh, he is the leader. Um, or sorry, the most experienced player, uh, in the receiving room, which you just talked about how hard it is sometimes for rookie receivers or just re- first-year receivers in general, maybe, uh, for them to get down the, the first-year offense, although that's not always true with, with veteran receivers, as we've seen maybe with, like, a Sammy Watkins. Um, true. But at the same time, no, I, I, I do think there is something to the touches he may get. Um, just being that most – you know, being the, the receiver that's actually been in the offense, Andy can maybe put in the most positions, the most different positions, while the other receivers – you know, maybe right at first they have to be a little more limited with what they do, what they're asked to do, because they don't know the offense maybe as much as McCall Hardman hopefully does, right? Like maybe, you know, maybe that's us projecting. Like we don't know. We've seen total miscommunication with Mahomes and McCall at times. And that's that's what, you know, maybe because I was with you, Christian, for a long time. And I still want to be with you. I still I think I'm going to lean on being with you just because I stood, you know, I want to stand on my ground. I want to stand on my takes. I don't want to take off. You know, I don't want to change my takes too much. Um, He is is very mad. (laughs) Listen, McCall Harmon was in a a historically great wide receiver class. And this whole, like it takes time to develop every other good wide receiver. Who's worth their salt in that wide receiver class got paid this off season. But like, imagine if those same receivers were playing and, and I'm, and trust me, I still think they're better than McCall. So don't take that. This as me saying that Terry McLaurin is playing in Kansas city. Tyreek and Travis. He he still gets 1200 yards. I think. Just, Terry McLaurin, it's just really hard to do. It's really yeah, hard. But to Terry do. McLaurin is a complete wide receiver. You can't tell me that Terry McLaurin's not going to produce more than McCole Hardman. You have to scheme McCole Hardman into the game. How many of his targets are manufactured touches? You're you're Maybe you're 100. Everybody. Yeah. Well, yes, that is true too. But you're right. It is McCole's game has mostly been that lately, but. We have not. We we are projecting this, right? It is more projection. We're not talking about what has happened, right? We are projecting that. Look, without Tyree Kill, without having that speed element that he's had, you know, in the offense, you know, McColl has to kind of step up and be some of that stuff that Tyreek's had to do. Not all of it, right? But some of the stuff that Tyreek's had to do. And so that's or MVS is, or MVS yes, becomes and, that guy. Yes, and yes. that's wide receiver four MVS. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's 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 before we all uh, kill each other, um, let's uh, let's. This is I, the hot takes that you asked for. All right. Let's go more rapid fire though. Um, do you, does anyone have a most likely to not live up to their training camp hype? Because I have one. Miko Hardman. Okay. Well, there's no real. There's, how much hype is there in training camp, Christian? Do you have one? Ah, uh, man. I. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Joshua Williams. I'm gonna say Joshua Williams. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, because, because yeah, I don't mean to take your take here. No, but, no, no, take it, please. I have multiple. I can spread them out. <laughs> no, Joshua Williams, by all accounts, is you know he's always in the right spot. I mean, you've listened to a few of the the writers who've been there. You've listened to Pete talk about how Joshua Williams is running with the ones. 
uh, playing on the outside is, you know, smart, picking up, plays press how they want to. Spag said that last week um, in his press conference. But what do you see in every highlight? Great catch over Joshua Williams. <laughs> Cornell Powell today, great catch over Joshua Williams. All the McCole Hardman highlights over Joshua Williams. <laughs> and it's just like every single one where he's always in the right spot, but he's not either not get his head turned around. Uh, he's he's just he still needs time to develop, and I'm you know I'm hoping that he's um, he's just more development. He's gonna get there, but man, it's I'm a, just a, there's just a little bit of hesitancy for me on him. It, it's called the Traveris Ward when you're right there and you look like you're in the right spot, and then the ball still somehow gets to the receiver's hands and catches a touchdown. That's yeah. the Traveris Ward. You're just right there. It's the uh, it's the yeah. He's a starting cornerback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what you have to say about him. Yeah, and somehow that turned into three years, whatever San Francisco gave him. So maybe Joshua Williams can turn into that. Um, okay, he's making Brandon Ayuk look great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, okay, bubble player most likely to make the team based on a preseason performance. So maybe someone that isn't may- maybe in those conversations right now. Christian, do you have one of those? Or Rocky, no, Rocky, do you have one? I, I went Christian first last time. Um, unless, you know, honestly, yeah. the more that I think about it, and I wasn't even really thinking about this um, before we, we really started breaking down and talking about everything, but with the offensive line situation and the right tackle situation being what it is, I think I think Garon Christian is is a guy who's on the bubble that I think is going to – he's getting some one reps as it is, you know, um, and I think he's a guy that, as the preseason goes on, that may end up staking his claim to that position. I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to do everything they can to give it to Andrew Wiley. But if he shows out in the preseason and shows that he can handle it, uh, he has the natural frame of a tackle uh, a little bit more than Wiley does. And so I think that I'm going to say Christian on this one. I like it. I like it. Um, let's actually go to the most likely to fall out of current projected 53-man roster because I have one that kind of piggybacks off that, and it's Roger Johnson um, because I do think there is something to, you know, maybe they just kind of threw him out there because he played left tackle in the NFL before. He's a really big dude, you know, when Orlando Brown obviously was holding out. And now that, you know, maybe Brown's back in the mix, um, maybe there's not the role for him if Christian, like you mentioned, Rocky, kind of steps up a little more. You know, we're going to get Niang back hopefully at some point. Maybe he does kind of start the year on the PUP, so maybe that's not something to factor in, but I do think one way or another, I could see Roger Johnson kind of falling out of favor and just not even make it the team. I think, I think kind of piggybacking on that too. I think that Darian Kennard is another guy that the chiefs really don't know, are going to know what to do with. Cause I don't think if they try to put him on the practice squad that he's going to make it, I think another team's nah. going to snatch him up. Right. He's not going to make it to the practice squad, but I don't think that he's ready to play right tackle yet. And I think that, they want to kind of have that flexibility of being able to switch back and forth between two people as needed that they can trust. And so they, they're going to have to try to find a way to bury Kennard on the 53 man roster for a red shirt season. And that's a valuable roster spot, yeah. you know, to do that with. And so I don't know what they're going to do with them. It's, it's they, they got a decision to make on him. Yeah. I think Kennard is, is he might not be very, um, playable right tackle at least right away you know maybe you can fill in it at guard but i think he might be a pretty bad weakness in pass protection at right tackle right away christian do you have any uh any uh most likely to fall out of current projected 53-man roster candidates or any uh any other takes on what we just talked about uh just real quick uh joshua kingdo didn't see ah, him last year I like that. Uh, they actively brought in more edges this year they're still bringing in edges with matt dickerson today yeah. Um, so if he does not perform in the third and fourth quarter in preseason, uh, he may not make this team. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. I think if they liked Kendo, they wouldn't have signed Dunlap. Um, they invested a high enough draft pick in Kendo last year. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been like he was injured last year, but you haven't heard a lot of buzz about him this, this offseason. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who was all upside when they drafted him who was a raw prospect um, losing that first year. I mean, kind of put him behind the eight ball. Um, it's, it's crazy though. Cause I really liked him coming in last year, but I, I just, I honestly, I don't even, I don't see a way that he does make the roster. 
Well, and, you know, it goes with my observation from Saturday that Malik Herring, you know, flashed a couple times to me for sure. Um, you know, flying off the edge, you know, kind of looking like to have maybe some of the bend. We kind of hope maybe Kando could have, you know, some of that pass rush juice. So, you know, Herring may be coming for his spot. So that's another guy to maybe look out for. And real quick, I just want to throw out too, I, I, I should have said it earlier, but, you know, I do think a bubble player maybe that might, you know, improve his stock in the preseason could be Josh Gordon. Um, I, I think the Chiefs really want him to make the team. I really do. Like, I really think they they want him on this football team. But right now, I think a guy like Darius Fountain maybe has the edge on him. But I do think that could change really quick if Gordon just kind of can show that he can make some plays. You know, just just make a play. Just make one catch over a corner. He just couldn't do it last year. Like, we, he never did it last year. They gave him so many opportunities. Um, it, so, yeah. It feels almost like Andy Reid is begging him to just right. make a play. He's like, I want you on this team. I, I want I, you're a veteran. You've done it before in this league, and I think that there is an aspect of Andy Reid's personal life that comes into this with with Gordon's situation that Andy Reid wants to be able to, you know, get, keep this guy going on a positive path, and and he wants to he wants to keep him close. I think he likes him as a person, and I think he likes him as a player, and I think that Andy's at this point is just like help me help you, man. <laughs> like, right. like I want you to be on this team, but you got to, you got to give me something. Yeah. No, I think that's why he's, he's definitely someone to watch. Well, we should definitely throw it to break here. Um, but first, before we go to break, I'm going to leave the listeners with, with a fun little, uh, would you rather we do that? Like to do that on this show listeners and, you know, Christian Rocky, I'm going to get your take. Obviously, who would you rather bring the tailgate games to a, to an arrowhead pride tailgate Pete Sweeney or Steven Serta? I think that's a that's a thinker right there. We'll catch you on the other side of the break. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back here on the AP Out of Structure podcast. Again, it's me, Ron, uh, Christian, and Rocky. We're bringing it to you, bringing the hot takes, as you heard in the first part of the show, um, you know, getting at each other's throats. We love it. We love it here. Um, but I left the listeners with a little would you rather. Would you rather have Pete, Pete Sweeney, or uh, Steven Sir to bring the tailgate games? I don't know. If you listen to the, the if you're a loyal AP listener, you know that, uh, I don't know, Pete brings a fire with these games, Christian. I don't know. Who, who would you rather bring the games? So it, to, to me, it feels like Pete probably has the best games. Like he knows how to play bocce ball, he knows how to play darts, he knows how to do all these different things that they've kind of talked about on the podcast. But you might be able to get Serta's money. Serta's so, <laughs> not afraid to put money where his mouth is, and then he doesn't back it up. So, man, I, I probably yeah, have to and, and you don't want to lose to the boss, right? Like you don't want no. to like you, you. I mean, I guess you don't want to beat the boss either. So it's kind of like a lose lose, right? Like you don't want to. So it's kind of like even if you beat you somehow beat Pete, he's gonna like not let you. You know, he's gonna kind of maybe like give you the bad topic for the week or something. You know, I don't know, right? <laughs> right, Rocky. What do you think? You're gonna be right, writing nothing but Michael Burton pieces until <laughs> until you know the end of the season every week. Oh well, you're right about Michael Burton. We don't have any Michael Burton yeah, audio this week, snap. Pete. Doesn't matter. Just write about Michael Burton. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pete. I feel like he's the consummate gentleman, and he's such a nice guy, and that's why he'll just smile at you while he kills you. At yeah. every single game, and just act like like oh well, this is what this is this is nice. I'm I'm putting you out of your misery. This is you want me to do this, and I feel like Pete would bring the good games, 
but he might also sneakily bring a game that you don't know how to play, like Mahjong or something like that, and be like, oh, it's easy. Anybody can play Mahjong. Your grandma plays Mahjong. If your grandma could do it, you could do it. And then 30 minutes later, you're down 150 bones to him, and you still don't know the rules of the game. See, Pete's so nice. That's how Serta keeps saying, yeah, we'll bet five more dollars. Yeah, we'll bet 10 more dollars. He keeps convincing Steven to keep giving him more money, keep gambling, because he's just so nice. Pete is like the lionfish of human beings. He's just such a, like a nice-looking person that just lures you in with his like aura, and then you know he just cold-blooded killer, kill. just cold-blooded killer. No, I I love it because I I do think Pete, you know, I think he's sneaky athletic too. I mean, he ran a freaking mar or a half marathon. Was it a half marathon or a marathon? I think it was a half marathon, but something this summer. I was like, dang, I didn't, you know, that, that's not easy, you know? So I don't know. Shout out Pete, uh, fearless leader. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I'd rather Serta come just so I can actually win maybe. Um, and, you know, even if I beat Pete, you know, he's going to hate me. So, yeah, Pete's going to hate us. Pete has that, uh, has that competitive streak, like that slightly unhealthy, you know, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes-ish, like competitive prick. Competitive prick. Uh, competitive streak, Yeah. I'm sure he wouldn't mind being described like that, right, Pete? You can you can let us know what you think. I uh, I compared him to Patrick Mahomes when I said yes. that. I just want to throw that out there. Yes, yes, I love it. All right, well, listeners, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully you are listening if you want your questions answered, which we're going to get into now. We can kind of go through these pretty quick. Um, aim down sites at aim down sites on Twitter. He always asks some pretty good questions. He's got a Frank Clark related one, which is always a spicy. Spicy one. And Christian, I'll, I'll let you, I'll get your answer maybe first on this one. Is there any number or statistic Frank Clark can get that keeps him with the chiefs after this year? If so, what should a future contract look like? You know, I don't know. You know, I know future contract look like is kind of a, a, a loaded question, but is there a number that you, you think Frank Clark can get to where you're really excited about bringing him back next year when there is a chance to, to kind of cut loose finally in his contract? I think this is Frank Clark's last year, no matter what. Yeah, I think, I think he is thinking that uh, okay, I'm gonna get out after this year, knowing it's kind of a contract season for him. I mean, he came back in incredible shape. Um, I think he knows it's his contract year, and I think he wants one more big contract, and the Chiefs aren't gonna give it to him. I think he's kind of looking for that uh, Chandler Jones, um, some of those older speed rushers, or older edge rushers. Uh, they all got paid this year, and I think he wants to try to get a, an opportunity at that, and I don't think the Chiefs are going to do it. So I think he just wants one more big bite. What do you think, Rocky? Yeah, I think that the Chiefs drafted Karloftis, expecting to move on from Clark. Um, I th- I mean, I think that Frank I, – I think Frank's going to get double-digit sacks for the first I'm – I'm, that's my hot take. Frank oh. Clark's getting du- double-digit sacks this year, and so is Karloftis. Oh, Ooh. that's oh, yeah. did, my that's you, you did have that tweet with take. all the with all those numbers, didn't you? Yeah, I saw. Yeah, that. so that's my that's my hot take right mm-hmm. there. But I think that even with the double digit sacks, the Chiefs aren't going to be able to afford him. Then I do think that Clark's going to go on to greener pastures. But I think it's going to be like the most amicable parting of ways ever. You know, where Clark's going to go on and make some money, and the Chiefs are going to say, "Hey, Frank, thanks for helping us win another Super Bowl." Hey, no. I love it. No, Christian, that goes along to your point. Cause I, yeah, I do think, you know, if he does get that double digit sacks, I definitely see a team kind of maybe overpaying for his services next year, kind of, you know, buying into, Oh, you know, he lost some weight, cut that liquor out. Cause I do think teams can directly point to that. Right. If he does have a, a, a great year, I think, you know, it's, it's not just out of nowhere. Um, and so I, I think uh, you can kind of maybe point to that and sell yourself on him still, you know, kind of maybe rebounding in his career. And maybe you know it's like, going to be the 49ers, right? It's going to be the 49ers. Well, that's that. and and yeah, I was, that was in the back of my head too. It is it's maybe D Ford esque, where we saw D Ford as that we all saw that it was a very kind of a limited role that he played, right? It wasn't he wasn't this like three down great defensive end. He was a situate or not a situational rusher, but a pass rusher that you know flew off the edge and got 13 sacks somehow or 15. How many sacks he had that year? So I you know Frank Clark, if he had that, I mean. We would be loving it. But let's move on to Chiefs Boyardee at Chiefs Boyardee twi- on Twitter. Any chance by the end of Mahomes' career, he's more known for his connection with Sky more than Tyreek. Rocky, how is that crazy to you? Is that just wild? I mean, 
it's not wild and it's not crazy. Ah. I, 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 I don't think it's going to be the case. Um, but the math is on, is on Sky Moore's side. I mean, Mahomes has more, has more true. career ahead of him than he does behind him, and so does Sky Moore. Um, if the Chiefs, you know, Tyreek Hill didn't play his entire career in Kansas City with with Patrick Mahomes, Sky Moore will. So if the Chiefs sign Sky Moore to a second contract and he plays that out in Kansas City, then yeah, he's going to probably have better numbers at the end of it with Patrick Mahomes than Patrick Mahomes had with Tyreek Hill. Does that mean that Sky Moore is going to be a better wide receiver than Tyreek Hill? No. But it yeah. just means that, that that connection may may be more prevalent. Yeah, no, I, I do think there it makes sense when you think about it like that. If you believe the Chiefs are going to win more multiple more Super Bowls, then you know there's a chance Sky Moore makes a few crazy catches in those games, you know, and builds his legacy maybe a little more. So yeah, I, you know, I don't know, Christian, do you have any thoughts on that? I I think you'll always have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey tied together. I think, and even if Travis Kelsey plays three more seasons and Mahomes plays another 13. I think it will always be Mahomes and Kelsey. Um, and I think any, you know, when you think of Peyton Manning, you think of Marvin Harrison. Reggie Wayne was there. Reggie Wayne was great. But the first name you think of is Marvin Harrison. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what it's going to be with Patrick Mahomes is that the first name you think of, think of is going to be Travis Kelsey. Um, Sky Moore, I completely agree with Rocky that it's, he's got the numbers ahead of him. He's got, you know, just, he has future, and you know Tyreek. It, it was finite. We know what those ended up being: one Super Bowl and four straight AFC Championship games. Um, Sky Moore could do more, but I, I think it ends up being Travis Kelsey. Well, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, okay, well, let's move on. We got more questions. I think this is funny from Jeff, not Geoff, because I actually wondered this the other day. I think someone pointed it out on Twitter at Jeff Parse on Twitter. It's twenty twenty two. Why do the Chiefs still make the players wear those ridiculous turtlenecks in the pictures? Uh, the white turtlenecks with the Chiefs in print. You know, it's funny because, yeah, I mean, I have these 2001 Chiefs yearbooks where, yeah, like Eddie Kennison or, or Derek Alexander are wearing the, you know, the the turtlenecks the same way as Juju Smith-Schuster and whoever is now. So, I don't know. Anyone love those? Anyone think, that, you know, anyone love them? I don't know. Are we are we fans of the turtlenecks? It's tradition. You heard, yeah. uh, you heard Mark Donovan. You heard... Uh, Clark Hunt, um, they, it's the Chiefs are known about tradition, and yes. that is the tradition of those photos is to wear that. So that won't change. Just like we're not going to get a yellow jersey. Yeah. Just like we're not going to get an all white helmet, all white uniform like I want, like a, a white out, jersey. a white out uniform. We're not going to get it, and it's yes yeah, because of tradition. Um, they're doing it because they've always done it. And that's and when it comes to the Chiefs uniforms, they don't change them. Yeah, I was kind of hoping maybe for Dallas Texans appearance, but but you know that does kind of speak to history tradition. So like you know, I, I do think there's still a chance, but my Real quick. yeah, Ron. When speaking of what Rocky just brought up, are you are you team yellow helmet, white helmet, or black helmet? I mean, white helmet. I mean, you couldn't do black or yellow, right? Like that would be. There's there's a version of a black helmet with an all red arrowhead with red letters in it, and it looks pretty nice. It looks so. Are you are you pairing that with the black all black unis? Or are you going like maybe the red unis with those? I, I mean, you go red. I could see it all red with the black. Is that what you're thinking? Maybe all red. It red would look paint. very Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, we know a certain quarterback that wouldn't mind that. So. I want I want all white. I want all white helmets, all white uniforms. Yeah. I want I want like ghost numbers and names on Ooh. the front. You know, a ghost arrowhead on the side. I want it to look almost all white, and then we only yep. wear it for playoff games and rivalry games. <laughs> In the snow. Yep. Yeah. And then you say the winners. And then you say winners coming. You know, bees, b words. You know, and then you just uh, and you and you just you just bring it. Um, Speaking of the turtlenecks, really quick, because I'm looking at the Chiefs website right now at all the guys wearing turtlenecks, and I'm pretty sure they CGI'd Austin Ryder's turtleneck onto him. That's how <laughs> that's how serious they are about turtlenecks. No, I'm sure that's not the only one. I'm sure there's plenty of guys that didn't actually put on a turtleneck, but for whatever reason, they feel the need to have them all uniform for their pictures. So you can't well, tell if Creed, if Creed Humphrey's wearing one because he doesn't have a neck. <laughs> 
you can't tell where the turtleneck ends and his neck begins. It's just yeah. all, yeah. Well, uh, let's get to Magic Mahomes too. He always asks good questions, but he's got a he's got a little bit of an interesting one this time. Got to hear it from you, fellas, real quick. What's your favorite beer? What's your favorite mixed drink? Name them. All right, favorite beer is Boulevard Saison Brett. Oh. You know, it's a it's a, a seasonal annual thing, and uh, it's it's delicious. It's the best beer I've ever had, and it always will be. Favorite mixed drink is not a mixed drink. Because the good liquor you drink neat, and ah. my my Ooh. favorite my favorite liquor would be Nika Japanese coffee coffee still whiskey. It's called Nika Coffee. It's delicious. Or also, oh, we got Rocky pulling something out the, the box. A Glen Fittage twenty one year reserve. Ooh, um, it says I can I can safely say that this will be one of the best things you ever put in your mouth as far as liquor goes as far as liquor goes <laughs> yeah as far as liquor goes <laughs> no wow okay well that made me um thirsty um christian what do you, do you have a, do you have a favorite drinks that come to your mind so yeah this summer i've been drinking a lot of the mountain dew seltzers they're just fun they're light they're easy to drink oh okay wow okay they're, nice they're really really good feel like your baja blast Having a little seltzer version of the Baja Blast is pretty fun. Uh, favorite mixed drink right now is actually a pumpkin bi- pumpkin pie drink where you mix uh, equal parts fireball and pineapple juice, and it tastes oh, wow. like pumpkin pie. Wow. Well, that's Get out of town. I want to try, try that. I'm going to try this. It's equal parts fireball and pineapple juice, and you end up tasting pumpkin pie. Um, I just like to say we now know what Christian would be bringing to the tailgate. I was gonna say, remind me when it gets cold and I go to Arrowhead because that's gonna I might have to be you know I might have to be mixed in there for a drink. So that's hype. Uh, you know my favorite beer is I'm you know I'm I'm old school you know uh, Boulevard wheat. I mean unfiltered. Yep. I don't know. I mean put a lemon in it. I mean you know I don't need a lemon, but I mean it, it you know it's it's great. Um, you know, honestly, I went to Vegas for a bachelor party this summer and I was pounding some Jameson and Sprites there. That is, that has become, um, an easy, uh, it's a pretty easy mixed drink. I feel like, you know, it's not a, you know, the Sprite doesn't make it too, you know, sugary or, you know, all that. So yeah, uh, that's my drink. Jake Wilson at Jake for now on Twitter. He's always, he's a perennial question asker. Just real quick, another kind of game-related one. What's your favorite day of the week? Kickoff time and weather scenario for attending a Chiefs home game. He says, is a clear, crisp Sunday noon game ideal, or does a late-season Monday night game with heavy snow and low temps make the experience more memorable? I love this question, Christian. I'm going to start with you on this. Neither. <laughs> it's the 3.30 <laughs> kickoff for a fan. Oh, Ooh. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You, you can sleep in a little bit. You're not getting up at 6 a.m. to get in line to get into the parking lot. That's um, you can you can get there still pretty early. You basically get to have fun in the sit in the sun. I like a late September, early October, so it's still sunny, and so you're not having to wear 15 layers because it's cold in Kansas City in the winter. Um, so you still got the sun. It's still a little cool. Perfect football weather. You get to kind of party and drink all day, and then you get to go into the game at 3.30, still in bed by 10 o'clock for <laughs> Monday morning work. That I actually agree with you. That's the best kickoff time. Rocky, what are your takes on this? My take is I the best kickoff time and the best weather for a football game is it is whether or not the Chiefs are playing the Oakland Oakland Raiders late in the season in Arrowhead. And if it is, then then a mid-December freezing, sloppy, snowy game where you make Derek Carr try to throw the ball in anything other than 72 degrees and indoors is the perfect weather for a football game. This year we're playing on October 10th. I hope we have one of those unseasonably crazy early blizzards (laughs) that just dumps like six feet of snow on the ground and Derek Carr is forced to go out there and try to figure it out. I I don't care about my own comfort as long as I'm watching the Raiders play like idiots. (laughs) <laughs> like that's that's where I find my most joy in life is watching. Like, I'd rather watch the Raiders play bad than mm. the Chiefs play good. And Bill Parcells said <laughs> that's when he knew it was time to retire because when the uh, losing hurt more than the winning felt good. But I'm there. Like I, I would much I'm rather see the. I'd much rather see the Raiders lose than the Chiefs win. 
and I love watching the Chiefs win, but I just really love watching the Raiders lose. You know, you're you're on to something because, uh, you know, some of my favorite memories at Arrowhead are against the Raiders, first of all. Um, you know, actually, one of the best memories I have is, I think it was like, oh, man, it was like eight or five degrees or something. Just crazy. Uh, it was 2016, the Tyreek, the punt return where, you know, he, he jukes out Marquette King and, you know, all that. Uh, that game was definitely one of my favorite games of all time to be at. It was cold. It was terrible, but yeah, beating the Raiders like that. Cause that year, you know, that was the year they were really, you know, they were really excited about what they had. They thought they were Super Bowl contenders. So always good to bring the Raiders down a notch. Uh, we may be doing that this year because they're definitely high on themselves right now after a playoff berth. So that October 10th game will be fun. Can't wait for that one. Well, so we just got breaking go news. No way. No way. We just got unofficial depth chart. Yes, live reaction to unofficial depth charts. I love it. Oh, Real quick, at just looking at it. Christian, what do you, what do you got? Name it off. What do you got for takes? DiCaprio Boodle, CB4. Huh. Ooh, that's, that is interesting. Over wow. Jalen Watson and Lonnie Johnson. That is very uh, interesting. Elijah Lee is linebacker three. Colin Saunders over Stallworth. Yes. Pacheco, RB four. Oh no, yeah, he's Derek he's behind. Clyde, he's Jared behind Derek Gore too. It looks like. It's interesting that Rojo has already fallen RB three. A little interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Blake Bell still tied in two. Not Noah Blake Gray. Bell still tied in two. Noah Gray tied in three. Fortson tied in four. Yeah. Darian Kennard at uh, right tackle two. And Pacheco is the kick returner, it looks like, which now transitioned us into our last segment. Rocky, I'm going to throw it to you. And the music is probably playing by now. We're going to go Ramblin' Rocky. It's usually me that's going to be rambling. But Ramblin' Rocky is where we're going to go with this week's um, edition of who's going to kind of maybe ramble on about something. And there's plenty to ramble about with what Rocky wants to talk about. So go ahead. Yeah, so we're talking about uh, Chiefs running backs today. And... I'm, I'm going to start right off the bat with Isaiah Pacheco. The fact that he's the kick returner already puts him ahead of Derek Gore uh, on on the bubble watch uh, to make the team. And then you start looking at if he shows out this weekend um, and he and he and he outperforms either Ronald Jones or Jarek McKinnon and jumps them on the depth chart eventually. There's no way that Ronald Jones is going to want to even as it sits right now. Ronald Jones didn't come to Kansas City to be running back three. I don't think Kansas City is going to want to sit there and have an unhappy veteran Ronald Jones in the locker room. He's still enough in the prime of his of his career that he wants to play, and he's not going to play in Kansas City as it looks like right now. And so I don't think Ronald Jones starts the season on this roster. Um, I think he's a guy that has a lot of juice, and there's enough teams out there who would be willing to throw a day three pick the Chiefs way or, or you know, a Mike Hughes or something like that in a, in a player swap that it's going to be tempting enough that the Chiefs are going to say, okay, this guy's obviously not not happy in this situation, So, and we want to give him an opportunity to play because he feels like he still can play. So let's get him out of the way. And so then you're talking to be running back too. you got Isaiah Pacheco or Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon was great down the stretch for the Chiefs last year. But Isaiah Pacheco is, you know, he's the new flavor of the month, and he's and he hasn't even shown what he can do in the NFL yet. And you already have this hype train around him. He's already set as the kick returner. Last year, I did the film breakdown on, on Isaiah Pacheco, and last year his offensive line was the 101st ranked offensive line in college football. They were only expect football outsiders said they had an expected yards per carry of 2.43 yards per carry. Isaiah Pacheco um, averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Just on sheer will, athleticism, strength, and ability, Isaiah Pacheco achieved an extra one and a half yards per rush attempt on average last year than his than his offensive line gave him. People talk about how he needs to work on his patience. The reason why he's impatient is because he didn't have a line. He didn't have any holes. Um, they didn't have a passing game because they had no pass protection. Their offense last year was Isaiah Pacheco. And and I tell you what, when you watch him, he runs hard, he runs fast, he's strong. And the reason why I think that he's going to be on the field sooner rather than later 
is that I haven't seen, and this is going to, this is saying quite a bit because you see a lot of times running backs come into the league and they struggle with pass protection, right? And Andy Reid's not going to put a running back on the field that's going to get Patrick Mahomes lit up if he can't, he can't stand up in pass protection. Right. Isaiah Pacheco is a stud at pass protection. I mean, there's highlights out there of him where he beats their, their, their right tackle out to the edge and locks up with a, with a defensive end and puts that defensive end on skates and drives them out of bounds. You know, uh, we talked about Leo Chanel throwing him like a rag doll. That's true. The very next rep, he, he picked up a blitzer and he, and, and he, he got his feet set and it was, it was, it was one of the most beautiful pass protection plays I've seen by a, by a running back. Um, he's, he's, he's freakishly strong. That's what people don't understand about him. He's, he's not, he's not a guy who's just fast and athletic. He is freakishly strong for his size. And he's so, fast. I mean, yeah, no, and he's, he's fast, really too. Fast. That's, that's the appeal, and that's why, you know, I actually didn't, you know, I made the Niall Davis comparison at, at the time of the draft pick. You know, it's it's not a terrible comparison, even if he does become exactly what Niall Davis was, because I think Niall Davis was a pretty dang important football player for a couple of years on this team. Um, but you obviously think he's going to be much more, and so that's where the hype is here, you know, um, I, I will say just real quick, you know, if he can do all the things that Ronald Jones can do, plus the things he can't do, which is kick return, pass protect, be in the passing downs, then why is Ronald Jones around, right? So, And Ronald Jones has had problems with fumbles throughout, yes. throughout his career. And it's one thing that as a Chiefs fan, and I know our fellow Chiefs fans, we cannot stand it when the running back puts the ball on the ground. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we love Kareem Hunt. Like he didn't fumble at all in college, and his rookie, his, his very first game as a rookie, he put the ball on the ground, and then he never put the ball on the ground again. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, like we're sensitive to that. Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year had had some fumbling issues, and he cost us the game in Baltimore, right? And so, yep. um, Pacheco holds on to the ball. Ronald Jones doesn't. So, Christian, we didn't get really into the backs today, so you haven't really had any takes on the backs. So, just general overall what you think the running backs are going to look like. You got any takes on it? I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm wondering if the uh, Jerick McKinnon signing was more of a, hey, Ronald Jones isn't what we thought he was. I think that the competition is really between those two. Um, and if they keep only three running backs, it's the winner of the McKinnon and Ronald Jones. And if they keep four, um, maybe it's a uh, on Ely. Ely. Or Derek Gore. Or Derek Gore. Yeah, I like Gore, man. I th- I really liked what I saw from him last year in Limited. I, he looks like Charkandrick West to me, but, you know, is that really, a, like, you know, is was West really someone you're, like, dying to have on your team? No. So, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways on that comparison. Fellas, what a show. Good show. I had a lot of fun. I hope the listeners did, too. Um, you can catch both of these guys' work as we get more into the season on the site at arrowheadpride.com. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at Rocky Magania and at K Gumminger on Twitter. Uh, they bring the heat all the time, whether it's uh, through their tweets or on the show when they make their appearances. Won't be the last time you hear their beautiful voices. I can promise you that. But for now, fellas, um, I guess just say bye to the people and we'll get out of here. Hey, Chiefs Kingdom. Thanks for having us. Thanks for partying with us for a little bit today. And uh, I'll be seeing you guys in the postgame show with our very own Summer Serta on Saturday night after or Saturday afternoon after we beat the Bears. So I'll see you guys soon. See you guys. Yes, sir. All right, we're out of here. Thank you for listening. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.